This is a HeadGum Podcast. I have to say what I feel. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami, Miami. You've got style. Picture in Los Angeles, 2015. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you will ever need to listen to. I... I'm H. Allen Scott. And I am Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we usually have someone over to watch an episode of The Golden Girls, and then we usually talk about it. But this time... This is a very... This is a something very special, very special is happening today, and guys. it's not like, you know, the one where Rose had AIDS. No. Or like chronic fatigue syndrome with Dorothy. It's not no. special like that. We're not... Yeah, this isn't a very special episode of an episode of The Golden Girls. This is... <laughs> we are breaking the format today because we have... An incredibly special guest. An incredibly special guest. Someone who was there in the trenches. Who touched the girls. I mean, but not like that. That sounds uh, illegal. Yeah, that sounds very like... You shook their hand. They, they touched, touched me. me. Oh. <laughs> Guys, we have, we have got... This is the first time on the show. We have got mm-hmm. a writer from the Golden Girls <laughs> and other, other wonderful TV shows, but... For, which we'll get into. Which we'll get into, but yes. uh, for the sake of this moment, a writer from the Golden Girls who has written some of our favorite season one episodes, yeah. Flu Attack... Mm, um, the flu. The flu, also yeah. known as the flu. They call yeah. it flu attack yeah. on it's IMDb. Uh, they, some yeah. of the titles yeah. switch a lot. Why is that? I think someone had a lot of spare time. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Over at Disney. It does say they, that on IMDb. Because yeah. it's Rose's mother and then it's... Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, also, adult education, mm-hmm. when Blanche's teacher wants to sleep with her. And also, Blanche and the Younger Man, yeah, which, yeah. of course, one. is it's the Ro- Rose's mom episode, which... Uh, we love all of those episodes, and yeah. we're so excited to have you here. Stan Zimmerman, how Stan. are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, first excited. question. Okay. First question that everyone I'm Jewish. has been, well, yeah. figured that much. Yeah. Hey, no, sister. Zimmerman is not always um, Jewish. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. So. You're right. Uh, no, that's not the first question, okay. but I'm glad we got that out of the way. Okay. Uh, my first question, our first question, many people's first questions is, did you name Dorothy's husband Stanley? Stan after no, no, I wish I could take that credit. Who did? Um... I don't know. Uh, we were going to the tapings uh, before they aired. Yeah. Because when I first moved here, I couldn't afford to do anything. I moved here. I went, uh, we have to go all the way back. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, then NYU to be an actor. Met my writing partner, James Berg, at, at NYU. Then we came out here and started writing and writing a bunch of specs. And um, we would go to free tapings because when you come out here, that's what you can do. And it's also a great way for writers to see mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. And um, so we went to a bunch of Golden Girls. And so they would, I think Stan was already... Was already on. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah. So how did you... How did the hell did you get that job? Yeah, how did yeah. you get when it? I was really still a ninth grader. Because yeah. um, <laughs> uh, you're what, like... 30? Yeah, 35? that's exactly. Yeah. I You're younger than me. Yeah, you were a very, you very young writer on the show. Yeah. Um, but you were really young. You were in your it 20s. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, barely. Um, we had done one job. I was working at the Vista Movie Theater when I got my... Oh, the Vista. I love the Vista. Yeah, it was a revival house at the time. Yeah. And um, we got our first staff job. 
and which was a show called Just Our Luck about a, a, a hip black genie that pops out of a bottle. And the NAACP <laughs> P went into an uproar that they hired uh, two unknown Jewish white writers over any um, black writers. Mm. And also the genie popped out and said words like, can I help you master? Which obviously didn't help. Yeah, your eyes yeah. are like, what? Whoa. So that lasted 13 episodes. Um, 13. 13 oh, whole episodes, yeah. Um, but it, we got a pilot from CBS out of it. We looked at the flavor of the week. Wow. Could barely drive. And then people were saying, oh, all the agents would, you know, will take you to the Playboy Mansion. And I thought, well... It's not really going to help me, later. but yeah. Um, although I did end up there years later. Uh, I was friends with Sandra Bernhardt, still am, and uh, uh, she was in the magazine. And so they, she had a big party there. I was like, I'm going to that party. She's one of my, uh, my early, I remember I was, I'm sorry to yeah. do this whole remember thing, but when in 1990, when I, when she saw, when I saw her stand up, saw her film that she had done, which was, you know, part of her live show. Without Sharon Nothing. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that's where I met her during I, was changed. I, for months, talked like Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> like, I would, I was just, I was eight years old. Oh, people. my God. And I saw, I think, it on HBO or something. And I was obsessed with her. I was just obsessed with her. And then, of course, Roseanne happened, and I was more obsessed with her. And she, I, she just became, of all my stand-up icons, Sandra Bernhardt and her everything is just... I met her... Right before, before she, she went, went to do the play, play without you, I'm nothing. And then we were working on doing a TV series with her. So I'd fly back and forth and became friends. This could all be a whole Sandra Bernhardt episode. Could we'll be. come back for that, but we shouldn't. We should get back to Golden Girls, but it, right? All the listeners, I'll you tell really the whole Madonna story, too. Yeah. But that's a whole other thing. But um, Golden Girls. So um, we were, that show got, the first show got canceled that we were on. And then we were... We did an episode of Fame that Debbie Allen directed, and Janet Jackson did her first music oh, video. Wow. So I take full credit for her music career, which has you know, <laughs> kind of been in the slump. Don't really like the new album, sorry. I, I wish, wish I'd gone to that concert. Everyone's been talking about it. I know. About yeah, it. everybody's been talking about it beautiful. on social media. Yeah. So I feel like I've been there since I've seen yeah. it on, on social media. Um, and then we went, luckily, we got a, a meeting to go in and pitch uh, at Golden Girls, and it hadn't even been on yet, so nobody even kind of knew what it was. Wow. And so we would go to the tapings to see it and read, like, the pilot. And um, we were in the room, we were, like, pitching our little hearts out, you know, little index cards or whatever we had. And you guys then. are pitching story ideas? Story ideas. Okay. Uh, for, I think, uh, Morton Barry were in the room, for Nero and Nathan, and uh, Terry Grossman and Kathy Spears, who were running the show, a couple. And I want to say... Um, Paul Witt was in the room, I think. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were scared. I'm sure I had, like, stomach aches and cramps and went to the bathroom 500 times. Sure. On the way there. Wow. And, uh, but it, no, no one, one knew what, what it was, was, so it wasn't, like, the but big you thing. It was a job was. for me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was just, it was an exciting job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I think people back then thought, like, well, this will be in and out because it's about four old ladies. Yeah. But we just loved writing women, and we thought that we needed a job. And it, yeah. where Thomas was a very big company at the yeah. time. So we pitched all these things. They're going, no, 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 no. So we're like, okay, I guess that's the end of that meeting. Literally walking out the door, in the doorway, something pops in my head. You know, what if Rose's mother comes to visit? And they, they, it was like, a, everyone froze. And? And uh, she treats her like an old lady. And they said, sit back down. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, we were like two seconds 
we would be in the parking structure. Yeah. And so we wrote that episode. And, At Sunset um, Gower. Yeah, that yeah. was where the meeting was. And so they had us write one and a writer named Susan Beavers write an episode. And uh, that was the one that they filmed and we got nominated for a Writers Guild Award and they brought us on staff right away. They changed very little, which is so rare in yeah. writing. Yeah. And we just really lucked out and uh, Morton Berry took a real liking to us and and we came on staff, and we were scared to death. And um, so, you, wow. in, a, in the span of let's say a year, mm-hmm. you had moved from New York with your yes. writing partner yes. after having finished college. Yes, and you worked, worked in casting. Worked in casting. Yeah. Got worked at the Vista, a movie, yes. theater, a great movie theater here yes. in Los Angeles. And over the course of that year. You've gone from working at a movie theater to being a staff writer on The Golden Girls. Yes, yes but staff writers, writers, I mean, they never even gave us our names on the back yeah. of the chairs. They were kind of, frankly, a little rude to us. Yeah. Um, I think, um, as the story goes, that um, uh, with Thomas, they really wanted Susan Beavers, and the rest of the staff really liked us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was the reason, but I kind of, we felt, like, unwanted there. Yeah. Because um, she didn't get hired on. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows why? There's a zillion and one reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but there we were, and they would send us off to, like, they said, go write a blow for the scene. Yeah. You know, and I, what's a blow? I don't know. I was like, blow? Is that cocaine? I don't know what yeah. it was. And an intern was Chris Lloyd, who mm-hmm. now is on Modern, Modern Family. Family. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't even a staff writer, and they just said, just sit in the room with, with Jim and Stan. And we'd all sit there and go, blow? What's a blow? Oh, it's the end of the scene. We got to write a joke. And it'd be like, it'd be Arthur joke. Yeah. Like, we don't write jokes. We write character lines that can be funny, but we never thought of ourselves as ha-ha funny. And that show really trained us to do that. And so we just, I don't know, we found it in us. And then we also discovered that a lot of times, especially with B. Arthur, you didn't even have to write lines. I mean, we discovered that all she had to do was, you know, shoot a look, and she would get a laugh. And we're like, well, that, let's put that there. Yeah. That was uh, a great discovery. And, uh, you know, you, we... We're really tuned to because we've been writing so many spec scripts of, which is an art unto itself, of, of finding things in scripts that should play out. Like in the first season, just having Betty White tell those long stories, like you see in the pilot, you don't have to continue, but we're like, no, 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 that's, that's a gold mine. Keep doing that. Or Blanche, we found, I don't know where we got this idea, but we started really listening and reading the words. That if she had words with ER at the end, like river, she'd kind of go river instead of river. Yeah. So we started writing words with ER at the end of them, wow. um, just so that she'd have that, you know, that cadence. Well, um, and that brings up a really interesting question of how much did the four actresses, sort of their, their performances and themselves, play into the writing of the episodes and to how you wrote? There wasn't improv then. I think also the first season, everyone was scared and they didn't know. And back then, we didn't have, um, you know, the ratings announced on Entertainment Tonight or even Mm -hmm. online. So they would read the ratings, um, you know, because it would be on Saturday night. And so Monday, we would have the table read. And they would announce, I guess, maybe the overnights they got then. It was very, very slow. And they would say, we're number 12. And everyone would be like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. And next week, we're number five? And they'd be like, we're number one. And then everyone would be just like, I'm getting shivers now just thinking about it. And the joy in the room, because we knew that was funny on stage. And that was the most incredible thing, I think, just you know, as a writer and as a kid back then, to be standing on the stage having the audience made up of 
from kids to grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're looking here and you're saying, these are the four best women in the world. Yeah. Reading your lines. And they're, wait, they're laughing at my lines being performed by those people. And that was just like, I, I just like, I'm done. <laughs> I, could, I could stop right there. Such a nice gratification because yeah. like I worked, I worked as a writer's assistant on, you know, a single cam show. Yeah. And when you're shooting and you're not shooting in front of a live studio audience and everybody's read the words so many times, you know, it's, you don't get that gratification of mm-hmm. hearing the people laughing, and yeah. there must have been something really special about like coming from theater just to hear that laughter. Yeah. It was just so exciting. Yeah, um, and it was our first, um, I think, multicam show. Though, and we had done one episode of a show that Chad Lowe was in uh, called Spencer. Oh, Chad Lowe! Uh, we love Chad Lowe. Oh, God, uh, I think I ruined their marriage. You, Chad Lowe and Hillary, and Hillary Swank. Swank. Yeah, I, this was a, a couple of years ago in New York. I saw Hillary Swank and Chad Lowe walking into a movie, and I noticed Hillary Swank, and I was like, "Oh my God, you're Hillary Swank!" And she had the beautiful long million dollar baby hair going, you know, that mane that she had. And then I saw her husband, and I knew his name, like. It was on the tip of my tongue, but instead the thing that came out of my mouth was your Rob Lowe's brother. <gasps> Three months later, done. they yeah. announced that they're divorcing. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe I planted that in her brain, that I think he is just Rob Lowe's. I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Stan, so I actually have a... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go on. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have it before I lose it. Because we love... I mean, Rose's stories. And I mean, throughout the, the series, like the whole course of the show, Rose's stories are just so... Insane. Insane sometimes. So I wonder, do you remember when it comes to, okay, what, you know, what person sort of like writing a mad lib of whatever this story is going to be with filling in funny nouns and, you know, jobs that people have and like the names of her family members like Google Hingleblotter and stuff. Do you remember what the process was of actually writing a Rose story and having to come up with like things like the Great Herring War and Well, I mean, luckily Susan Harris wrote a brilliant pilot. Mm-hmm. So for us, that was the template. But like mm-hmm. all we had to do was look at that and look at the stories and what stories did she tell? And then we got into the whole St. Olaf's thing and then we just come up with Viking names. And I didn't know any of that whole. Mm-hmm. So the people would come in, you know, back then we probably had like the sources or whatever. Um, and that's when we would come up with like what the name was. It was a very interesting uh, table. Uh, and Paul and Tony with Thomas were in there. Normally, executive producers that aren't writers are never at the table. But I think they knew that this was a very important piece. And as it became this cultural phenomenon, I think they were just, we, we got to really maintain and be in there. Mm-hmm. But I think they were such formidable characters that it was very scary for the rest of the writers. And I've never seen this in a writer's room. Usually... You know, you've been a writer's assistant, so you know the filthiest things come out. Everybody just says everything. Oh, yeah. And that's why you want to, whatever you say can spark something with somebody else mm-hmm. in the room. This room was not like that at all. When you had a joke, you were so scared that it was going to get shot down, you'd write it on a piece of paper. And I just saw this from the other writers, so I did this. You'd show it to the person next to you. If they said, then you would pitch it. Wow. So I learned uh, a lot from that. I... What, went to run shows, I, I don't think that's very helpful because if you write something and he says, no, I wouldn't say it, how do you know what you wrote yeah. would spark something in me? Exactly. So I don't think fear is the best place, but obviously still great stuff came out of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but Where do you think that came from? Because it was the, the feeling was so culturally important that the show, or was it because, I mean, because when the show... They were very powerful um, 
producers then, yeah. you know, and they had, you know, Benson well, had like a, a... And if they set an air of, like, importance in the room, if they set some sort of precedent by being there, I think then it can maybe yeah, be easy to, to fall into that. Yeah, all of that. Was there a feeling yeah. that a show like this had, like, this was the first of its kind? Well, of course, you would never ever. see, and that's, that's why, why no one thought it would be anything, that yeah. you would never see women of that age on TV. You yeah. still don't see it. No, you don't. Now, if I went and pitched this now, people would laugh me out of the network. Yeah. Um, and then saying those things, they would just never say, talk like that. Yeah. And that's what was so refreshing about it. So, and it was just very, very simple. But I love, uh, so I never knew what a lanai was. I have to tell you that. I know your show, I've been like dying to say that. So I just remember like we got with the first script, like, what is that? We don't know what it is. Because I grew up in Detroit. We didn't have lanai. I didn't know how to spell it for yeah, so I didn't. Long. Well, that took me a long time to wait. The A, the I, where? I, I, did, I definitely, I didn't know what it was. Because we would, yeah, we'd call it a patio yeah, or like yeah. the deck or yeah. something. But yeah, we, I didn't we know until. We were either of those things. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> didn't I, I've that. only. We had a backyard. Heard it referred to as a lanai on yeah. the Golden Girls. And never and then, before after, right? Yes, no. Uh, maybe she just, Susan Harris made it up. Maybe. And, uh, or maybe Although, it's a Florida I thing. Although I do have a Google alert for out on the lanai set. And I did get one very recently. It was. I was like, yes, somebody's yeah, writing about our podcast. And no. it was like, it was something like cancer-stricken cat dies found out on the lanai. <laughs> oh. It was like a local news story about like this uh, famous cat that had died. You can still use it. Yeah, we yeah. use it. It's, yeah. it's a credit. But but it probably had something to do with saddest. the cat's death, right? <laughs> it was the saddest. It was just like oh. old, decrepit, but beloved cat missed by family. It was just like, this is incredibly depressing. But I did post it all over Instagram and Twitter. One thing that, that I, you had mentioned before that you liked writing for women, yeah. you and your writing partner. That's kind of been What's your writing partner's name? James Burr. James Burr. Jim. And you liked and as you know myself I love writing for women and I think it's I think there is something about being a gay man writing for women and having there's a connection there because there's a lot of gay writers that you know work on these shows that there are strong female characters I would always get that question from people first of all when I was doing it they said how is someone so young writing about a women yeah older women yeah and my answer always was I had very vocal uh, women in my life, my sister, my mother, my grandmother. Yeah. So I just listen. And as a writer, you listen. Mm-hmm. I think a good writer. And even when I was starting out in acting, they said, go out to a mall and just watch people. Yeah. And I think that, I guess, was just instilled in my brain to mm-hmm. do that and to hear what people are talking about, especially women. And so I think that's uh, where that came from. It was yeah. very interesting. I don't know if you know... Um, the Celebration Theater did a, um, a benefit, and they read Rose's Mother with the cast of Hot in Cleveland. You know oh, about yes, this? yes, I wow. did know about that. That yes. was the most mind-blowing experience for me really? wow. to go there. Um, because Celebration Theater gave me my first job directing theater in L.A., and then have that cast and Betty White, but she wouldn't read the Betty White part. Yeah. Um, Who did she read, or did she? The Arthur. Yeah, she, yeah, oh, yeah, ooh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I know. Uh, wow. There's a story there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what really struck me when I was there, it was very difficult because, um, and I can tell the story if you want. Uh, we love every of the, yeah, any story. The, of Keep the, talking. Of the, fil- the day of the filming, and I, it's a very sad story. But anyway, the, what I got from it was came early to listen to just a read through, and they were going to get some notes on it. I was like. How did a kid think of that story uh, at that time? That's what really struck me, is who was that person that saw that? I do know some of it we got, we read an article, um, Betty White talking about her husband, Alan Ludden. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and how much she misses him every day. Yeah. And we put actual words she said in that article into the script. Yeah. Wow. Um, Did she realize that? No. At the time? And I, I went to tell her because I was shadowing directing at Hot in Cleveland, and I think it, you know she didn't quite understand that part of it. Yeah. Um, but she got the, you know, that I yeah. was a writer back then. So, you know, we just knew to pull from real people and what they really said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Rose's mother is all about mothers. And um, so a few days, and I told this in front of the whole benefit there, and, like, people just got silent with the story. They thought I was going to tell a funny story. But um, a few days before we were set to shoot it, uh, B. Arthur's real mother died. Yes. You know that story. Yeah. yeah. So, do you know they were going to cancel the taping? Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I don't have to tell the story. No, but right? please go ahead, oh, I don't okay. think we talked about it on the show. Uh, oh, you already have. No, we no, haven't. Oh, you we haven't. haven't. We haven't. No. Um, we just know the story because we know things. Yeah, I bet you two do. Yeah. And uh, they said, no, we're going to cancel it, we'll postpone it. And B, because she comes from the theater, the show must go on. And she was so concerned about messing up everything for the show and the whole crew. She says, no, I'm going to do the show anyway. Yeah. And you see that scene, I'm getting shivers now, uh, when she's sitting at the kitchen table with yeah. Estelle. And Estelle says, you know, thank you for you know, not treating me like a little girl. Mm-hmm. And if you watch her, you can see tears well up and be, and she has to look away from Betty. Still to this day, when I watch it, I must want to look away. Because yeah. you just know what she's thinking and loving Estelle that way. It just was so touching. And I, That must be so, as a writer must be so gratifying to have a piece of your work not only be so culturally important, you know, to a sitcom history, but also to have affected someone so culturally important to 20th century entertainment and to have that kind of human reaction put you from, in, B? from B put into her art. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Well, that's what you have to do. Yeah. But I was always so scared of her, I thought. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was like B. Arthur, and she's so tall, and she's... And, and what I learned that she really was kind of nervous and scared around people. Yeah. Although her feet really scared me. It was kind of like Lord of the Rings. Because she would walk barefoot yeah, places. Bare, all the yeah, all the time, which yeah. I didn't really realize. And I think towards the end, we got stuck in the elevator with her. And I'm like, just don't look at her face. Just look anywhere else. And I looked down. And I'm like, oh, my God. It was like these huge toes and everything. Um, and... So, yeah. we, were watching, we were watching an episode recently where, um, and I imagine maybe when they were, you know, shooting close-ups or if she's at the table and you can't see her feet in particular shots, she, maybe she wouldn't wear shoes. But we were watching, there was some scene where, uh, I don't know, they ended up like pulling out into a wide and she stood up and we noticed that she was barefoot and we yeah. were like, I bet she just took her shoes off and yeah. they didn't yeah. realize they were going to shoot her feet. So, no. <laughs> And Estelle was really great because I had seen her in Torch Song Trilogy right before yes. I moved out here. So I loved her in that. But so I'll, to give some reference to our yes, listeners, because yes. we have many young listeners, yeah, Torch Song like, Trilogy what? was a play written by Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Um, it was a classic... Three plays that he put together. That made... And it's, a film, that, it's a film that you can... Not, it's not as good as the plays, but you can mm-hmm. um, see. It's 1988. Matthew Broderick is in it. Uh, and and it's about... And Bancroft, yes. And it's about... Um, a gay man really just looking for love in his life and, and sort of balancing being gay in a time... And it wasn't about AIDS or anything, which made it really different for the time because so much of gay art was focused about this tragedy that was happening in the 80s. And Harvey Firestein's Torch Song Trilogy wasn't that. It was something else. It was a, a man living in a queer world wanting traditional things and wanting to be valued in a traditional way while also maintaining his queerness, which was so 
huge for the 80s and Estelle Getty played the mother in the in the off Broadway and Broadway on Broadway and on Broadway I saw it on Broadway in this little theater yeah and she had been just like you know being a mother and maybe going in for some auditions in the city and getting little commercials and things and then suddenly like Harvey said can you do this play off Broadway and she's like oh I guess so and Family's like, you're going where to do what in the middle of the night? Yeah. And then she did this play, and it was so huge. Yeah. And they moved it to Broadway, and then she became so huge. Mm-hmm. Like, you just know, I tell, I teach acting in LA, and I'm like, you never know at what age it, you're yeah. meant to have it happen. Yeah. Uh, but she was, I mean, we became really good friends. And right away, I think maybe even the first day there, mm-hmm. I remember she took us to the side and she says, You're one of us, right? And I'm like, Jewish? And she's like, Okay, come on. And I'm like, uh, sh- Quiet, because back in those days, and I've done panels at Outfest, and everyone is shocked that there was a time when you couldn't be out on yeah. a, a staff. We just couldn't. Yeah. But so, even on a show like that? No. That, and that was also, you know, wow. during the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And I remember. Um, Jim and I, we would like go to flea markets and garage sales over the weekend because we couldn't afford anything else. And um, we said, oh, we were in Silver Lake. There was, uh, it was a memorial where they were selling someone that died of AIDS stuff. Yeah. And everyone on staff was like, you've got to burn that sweater. You can't, you might get, yes, that's where we were then. You have to remember that. And so then we're like, just don't say anything. And then what if they think about us? And we were told by our agents, bring a, a woman to any, any um, you know, Wow. events that we had that wow. was just a different time yeah. I know everyone thinks that there's it's, like this whole yeah, gay sensibility on the show but there really wasn't I mean there was kind of when we were, had the doors shut in our office obviously yeah. and with Estelle but I mean I got so excited because Estelle would say come to dinner with me I'm like oh my god we're having dinner with Estelle Getty you me and Jim and we'd get there and there'd be like you know 30 guys from the cast of uh, and the road tour of Tor Song Trilogy okay I guess we'll have you know a minute with her and yeah, she came to my 30th birthday party, which Aww. meant a lot. And then she invited me to one of her birthday parties. And she had an apartment over, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And I just remember like Rue and Betty came in together. And we were just like, oh my God. And B never showed up. But like in this little teeny second story apartment, yeah. right across from that park where, they, where you can get plots of. Land, yes. you know where that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's west of La Brea. Now yeah. Oh, it was like the Hollywood Forever Cemetery? No. But no, that's not... Yeah. I will say... Now all the tours like driving over that. Let's go see it. There is something really sort of sweet about, you know, someone who was so larger than life, Estelle Getty, and on her on her gravestone, which, you know, you have an awesome picture of, it's just a very simple, you know, it's... And I mean, even just like as a Jew, it's a nice thing to see where it's just about the person and the life they lived, but it's just her name the year she was alive in the Star of David. And it's just, there's, mm. and there's nothing else is there on it. It's just that. I don't think there's anything else And I just else found on it, it to be so... Is it in Florida? What? No, it's No, here. it's, 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 it's at the Hollywood Forever oh, Cemetery. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And it's a... Uh, it's, uh, she was such a sweet lady. And yeah. like, just, she just cared. I mean, the fact that I hadn't written on the show and she always stayed in touch and that she would come to things for me. Yeah. And I just, I, I just really, really liked her. And, the, and on the set, like, she was like really the only one that we really would hang and talk to. Yeah. Uh, Rue, a little bit. Rue, to me, was like the best actress. Mm-hmm. Like, she really cared about the acting, and she would come up to us, and this character, and, you know, like an adult education, and yeah. the teacher, and, you know, because we always thought when we were pitching episodes, we liked to, who is the character, how can we challenge them the most? Yeah. That's how we came up with that one. Wow. It was like, well, she's sex-obsessed, so who could we throw at her that all of a sudden she would go, yes, that's the easy way out. Yeah. Her teacher at a... 
Uh, yeah, exactly. well, that's so a really that, great way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, so I think that's, and we've always tried to do that in subsequent series. You know these people, especially with Golden Girls, you know who they are. Yeah. So what can you throw at them and then see how they bounce Well, that's back? something that I, and that's just why I so admire your work and just the work of 80s and 90s sort of television writers of great shows is that it's true that if you have a character that is so richly defined, like the character is so perfectly put that no matter what you throw at them, it's going to be funny, and and there's going to be there there's going to be a funny situation that comes from it because the character is so well defined, and that the story just revolves around this character when they're put into situations. But that the are flip side to that is, yeah. I mean, I love obviously I love Golden Girls, but it was a period of time where they were so concerned about syndication that the characters had to end and begin begin and end kind of in the same place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of was repetitious. Yeah. And then, how do you like this for a transition? And then when Roseanne came up, yeah. it blew all that out of the water because here you saw people, she would lose a job or someone yeah. would die or this would happen. Mm-hmm. And like, wait, that's, that's like real life. life. Yeah. So that was why that was refreshing. I don't know if it's because of the times. Yeah. Um, I, and the, I think in their philosophy, in their heads, like because you could show them the syndication in any order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they were so scared that people, you know, now people watch things and whatever. Yeah. And, I think maybe they just weren't giving viewers the benefit of the doubt that they would still be just as invested of an episode of Roseanne going like, okay, like the fact that they're going to be able to sort of pick up, okay, Roseanne is upset, maybe somebody's passed away or whatever, that they're still going to enjoy the show just as much, even if they're not aware of whatever that season long arc or if they're doing, you know, something over a certain amount of episodes where, I mean, because you're still invested in those characters and you still love them, you know, if you're not. Well, totally like friends caught up, and family, you know? we all go through stuff, and you're still, yeah. I mean, you're still hanging Same out with person. her, yeah. right? Yeah. After all she's done to you, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. I after mean, everything, a lot, um, a lot. So one I'll, thing. That, oh, I'm sorry. One one thing that we do, you know, because we are sort of binge watching the show now, is things that we're noticing. I mean, obviously, the women get engaged over the course of the series, or they'll, you know, a family member will come visit, and it's like you're here for good, and then and then we never that see was them again. The and easy stories I felt like, and yeah. now this relative comes, and when you have four women that have big so families. So many relatives. Like, well, we could, we could do this forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we hopefully threw out interesting relatives or old friends oh, who would come back. they were, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was, they you know, were whether good. it was a lesbian, whatever, mm-hmm. or yeah. that, and um, so that was fun to do, too. Yeah. yeah. Who, is your, uh, who is your favorite girl to either write jokes for or just write stories for, like, as a character? Who is kind of your favorite person to, your favorite character to work oh with? Um, I guess I, guess I like, like B because I've just been a huge fan of hers from Maud and everything. Yeah. So that was always fun, and I feel like I'm kind of a little bit dry like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I loved Estelle, so I would love writing anything for her. Um, I, all of them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Rue, because I know she appreciated, like, if we wrote interesting backstory or anything with character stuff, because I think they're so used to, even though she'd done great Norman Lear shows, and I want to meet Norman Lear so bad he's listening. Oh, you've never met now Norman have you? Lear? I don't think Norman Lear is listening. <laughs> yeah, he's not listening. He might be. Yeah, you never know. He's I'm like just going to say I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, we'll talk after the show. Yeah, I've got a yesterday. connection. Just call him. I think you should call him and see if you can get a meeting. Um, but even though they did, you know, really, she's been involved in important things. I think, you know, in sitcoms, because you work so fast, and if you've studied acting, they just expect you to perform yeah. like, you know, like circus animals yeah. and you don't give you a lot of backstory or get into some emotional stuff so when we did write stuff like that because my background was in theater yeah. she was so grateful and so it just makes you want to do more of that 
Um, Betty was just because, you know, it was that crazy character, but mm-hmm. she was very... I didn't really get to know her. You know, mm-hmm. she was, uh, to me, more, more Sue Ann Niven than she was. Yeah. You know, so. uh-huh. And that'll be in my book, so I can't tell everything. My, okay, I want to yeah, write a book, The Girls from Golden to Gilmore, about all the wonderful, crazy women that I've heard. Oh, wow, that would be amazing. Yes, and the certain stories I can't quite tell yet. Yeah, but, um, don't. Please save it. Save, save all those. Something. And then yeah. you can come back on the podcast oh, when your book comes out. There you go. Oh, we would definitely invite you okay, back. Okay. Yes. That's, wow, that's amazing. So how long... Were you on the I was just only on for the first season. First season. And then yeah. what happened? We don't know the full thing. We went to the rap party, and Susan Harris said to us, we'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah. And that was it. And the next <laughs> thing, and the next thing we heard, uh, I was surprised because I know Paul and Tony didn't want us there. Yeah. Um, but then we got a Writers Guild nomination, all this stuff, and maybe they didn't like, like, who are these young staff writers? Yeah. Maybe they know, felt staff, a little threatened. Yeah, or... well, I think staff writers, you know, you don't even get a credit... On the episode? On the episode that you, you write. Yeah. But you're not But you're credited. not in the opening credits. No, and you're yeah. not anywhere in it, yeah. which is so yeah. ridiculous to me. I mean, we can get And the it. staff writer is the only writing position that does not get, that whose name does not appear in the opening or closing house. It makes no but sense that, to me either. And we can do that whole thing, and that could skew into the whole Brady Bunch story. Of if you're a writer, you should be credited if you write on something. Yeah. I don't care what, you know, uh, whether who you're protecting, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the old days in Hollywood, they would say at the end of a movie, additional dialogue by. At least yeah. there was something. Mm-hmm. What was my mother supposed to think? She's like, I thought you wrote on the show. Where's exactly. your name? Exactly, where's yeah. your name? You know? yeah. But the great thing about that was they did see my name on the episodes that I did write. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, when you think about this show, like, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like it. Yeah. Like, what other show could you it's, even... No one hates it. It's hard to hate. You can't hate it. Even if you're not it. even familiar with it. Yeah, you, you don't, like, don't hate care it. About I mean, it. it's Seinfeld. People can go, well, there's this or that with it. or was that. You know, But Golden Girls, I think, is the only show I can think of, and I've had this discussion with many people, where it's just universally loved by everybody, young, old. I mean, I still have people coming up to me, and, like, you weren't even born yet, and they're reciting lines to me that yeah. I don't even remember. yeah. And how cool is that? Yeah. And it still touches I think a lot of that has to do with, and this goes back to writing for women, a lot of this has to do with sort of, you know, these are characters that we never see on television. These are these are types of women that are always relegated to being the crazy mother or the over, you know, zealous mother. And they're never genuine, fully formed characters. So in many ways, you it's so foreign that it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that they're not like caricatures. They're of, not caricatures. You know? They're not the Doris Roberts. They're not the you know the Estelle Parsons on Roseanne, even though yeah. she was amazing. They're not. They're not these these sort of these tropes that are constantly brought up all the time in these types of characters. It's they're unique people, and and and, and we got to see them in me, you know over the many years. Yeah, going through many problems, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. people can relate to them. And on some level. You could almost take away their age, and we could still relate. I think yeah. that's why people do. Absolutely. Well, and there's also, and from the gay perspective of mm-hmm. it, I mean, one of the reasons why I think I always, and lots of gay men relate to these four women, because it does seem strange that you know gay men are relating to four older women, but what it is is here's women who society has said no to, society has shunned in some way. Society says, you're not meant to be this way. And the same thing was said of, you know, gay men and lesbians for year and trans and everything for years and years and years. And so there's this sort of, you know, consolation in that we both have been shunned and, and, and having a fully formed idea and being funny and sexual and interesting and, and, and still being that shunned character is, 
and have it being addressed on the show as well. It's well, kind also, of great. I don't know, I'm just thinking this now, but shunned in the outside world, but in the confines of their home, it's they right. could say fucking, can I swear on this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. fucking anything. Yeah. Yes, and that's something as gay men, we yeah. lived, even though sometimes we couldn't be out, let's Even say. in the writer's room. I mean, you, yes. in the closed doors, you were able to be gay, but out on the table, you're not. Right. That's but still when so you're surprising to me. your friends, we could be as yeah. crazy and say mm-hmm. any sexual thing or however, whatever happened in our life, no yeah. holes barred. And here, for the first time, we were seeing women doing it, yeah. talking like we were talking. And that's why people keep saying, well, the writers all must have been gay. And I'm like, uh, no, it's just me and Jim in the beginning. And Mark Cherry's been really wonderful in yeah. acknowledging that we kind of opened a door for everybody else there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Morton Berry knew, and uh, we've worked with them since, and they were really, really great. Very, very, very supportive. And they felt terrible, and Winnie Hervey's been mm-hmm. very good, too. Um, about like you guys should have been back and there's no reason that you weren't and it's all yeah. political stuff and you know but that's I mean but you went was, on to much greater better things too well but then at the time you're going like oh damn like I could have used another year or two on that one that yeah. would have been great to write but you know life throws you things and you deal with exactly. it and, and um, you know and then you know you're on unemployment and then suddenly did you ever hear did you ever hear anything from Susan Harris after no she's kind of a recluse yeah. so she I mean that was I'm sure you've heard these stories right yes the weeks that her name was on the script, we barely touched. So we're like, well, I don't have to rewrite on that episode. Mm-hmm. And she was home. Yeah. She barely came in, even wow. the first season. So she just delivering scripts, and you're like, all right, and we're taking this to the table yeah, to read. Yeah, you know, like, occasionally you have to change things because of time or certain bits mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. But it was basically, you're not going to mess with her scripts. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. so that was yeah. like, can't she write more? You know, because yeah. you just, after a while, you, you get so... Uh, behind uh, writing scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, so what got you to Roseanne? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we did, uh, you know, a bunch of episodes for stuff, and um, then our agent was just hounding uh, this assistant that worked for one of the producers, like, you've got to read Jim and Stan, you've got to read Jim and Stan. We actually wrote a Roseanne spec, and normally when you write a spec for this specific show, you just, you don't get on. Oh, well, the, back up a little bit. We actually passed on the first season of Roseanne, like idiots. Yeah. Uh, they had, like, who would do that? But back then we did The first season was super stormy, though. Yeah, so. The first half, of, well, just to give some history on Roseanne, Roseanne was, uh, the character Roseanne was her stand-up act that had been on the Johnny Carson show. Well, which, I had seen her on Johnny Carson. Called yeah. the next day, I called my agent. I said, she's, I have to write for her. Can yeah. you get us a meeting? And he said, America will never watch a show with a fat woman. Exactly. Okay. But the way it used to work back then, too, is because this doesn't happen with comedians these days, but it used to be like if you were on late night, if you were on Johnny Carson as a comedian, yeah. the next step is to get your, your own, own TV show. show. Right. And that does not happen anymore. Now you get a podcast. Get a podcast. Wow. Yes. Um, How do I get a podcast? <laughs> well, you just, you just don't, don't leave this room. Don't right? leave this room. We'll <laughs> got you covered. Okay. Uh, but with Roseanne, so the television show started, it got greenlit, but the studio, I forget the producers of it, they were, they were having Warner. that. They were... They were focusing on creating this sort of type of story for this woman and Roseanne just wasn't having it. And so the first season, Roseanne actually wrote a really interesting essay about that. The first season of Roseanne was incredibly stormy yes. and, and then she finally won. She got her way. And, well, she, and Carson Wentz were not allowed on the yeah. set, the yeah. producers. Wow. Yeah. And they were upstairs in their office and they were never allowed to go to the stage. Yeah. And when we passed, Lori and John weren't involved in it. Lori Metcalf and John Goodman. Yes. 
and you were not, uh, when you go to these meetings, they're like, why don't you just sign a seven-year contract? Yeah. And I don't know who we thought we were, were these stupid young kids. I'm like, seven years? We don't know. They're not telling us anything, and they're being really hard-assed about it. So we're like, and we had a lot of other offers. We're like, I don't know. We said no. Crazy. But it came back. How would you know? Yeah, how would right you know? Time. You don't know. And uh, it came back, uh, and we didn't know the show at all because there was not even a script. Mm-hmm. So it was just this woman... The stand-up act. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all yeah. we knew. But then it came back into our lives, and they, uh, you know, we got called to go to Tom and Roseanne's house. Was this first season? Second no, this season? was this. No, this was later, season okay. five or something, okay. when they Gosh. actually were serious about getting us on the show. <laughs> and uh, that was so scary. I don't think Roseanne was there. It was Tom Arnold that mm-hmm. interviewed us, and then and Jay Daniel, who was, who was a producer, producer on the show, there, who was yeah. brought on to kind of. He was a star wrangler. Yeah. That's what they would call him. Mm-hmm. And um, then we went on staff. And there were, that was the year there were 21 writers. Mm-hmm. And the year of, yeah. So Tom and Roseanne would bring all their stand-up comedy friends yeah. uh, who weren't writers. And so we would have to break up the writer's room into different satellite rooms. And Jim and I would get, like, Norm MacDonald and Laura Keitlinger, who were not writers, they were stand-ups. And... Uh, Pat Bullard, and now they're all like big writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but that they didn't know, so they would just throw out like really like fun, funny, funny, funny jokes, and yeah. we'd be laughing in this room. Lois Bromfield, great wow. comic, and uh, we had to say no. They have to come from character, or else <laughs> they're not going to make sense. So it was a little bit, you know, of a learning curve yeah. for them. But obviously they they got it, and that was very exciting. But that was the year when she gave out numbers, the T-shirts. So one of the first days uh, at work. Because they believed that writers didn't have names because if we had to learn your names, we couldn't fire you. So you were just numbers to us. Oh, so they said, all right, we made T-shirts. And they thought it was really funny. Yeah. So yeah, I want that's... you all to go collect your T-shirts and all numbered. So my birthday was the 13th. Is the 13th. It was actually last week. Oh, and happy birthday. birthday. Thanks, send gifts, flowers, whatever. Not, not candy because I don't eat sugar. But um, so I wanted 13. So I'm like nuzzling my way in to get the. I still have the little t shirt. Wow. wow. And so were you required to wear these in the writer's room at all time? No, that was just a joke. And you could write, wear yeah. them. But it was more of a joke that the writers hated. I didn't even quite get it at the time. I thought, yeah. oh, it's kind of funny. And then, like, when you really think about it, it's just, like, not a nice thing to do. No. No, no it's not at all. It's not. And, so what and we were told, like, like don't, don't let Roseanne see the whites of your eyes. If, you see, if she sees the whites of your eyes, then she'll know who you are and she can fire you. So it was, like, find the tallest person and just hide behind them every time, like, she'd walk by, which we managed to do pretty much the whole season until we wrote the Lesbian Kiss episode. Yeah. And Iconic like, Lesbian Kiss episode. It was the first... Gay time. kiss on a prime time yeah. series. Yeah. And she's like, we heard, who the hell wrote this? Get him over here. And every, all the other writers are pushing us towards her. I'm like, yeah. no, don't make me go. Um, she was like, number 13. <laughs> yeah, get over here. Um, and uh, God bless her and Tom because ABC was not going to let us yeah. film it. It was huge at the time. I remember being a kid in the closet and secretly watching this episode and trying in a weird way to defend it to my family. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, we didn't think they would film it. And Tom and Roseanne said, if you don't film it, we're going to pay to film it, and we're going to pay to air it on HBO. Amazing. Wow. So God bless them for that. Um, but getting an actress to play the woman to kiss her, and again, that was challenging the character. Meryl Hemingway, right? Yeah, it ended up doing it. Uh, long list of people that didn't. And, um, Can you say who? No. Oh, damn. Damn, man. Save it for the book. Yeah, it's all in the book. Um, <laughs> I wonder if I have that list somewhere. I remember if you Um... <laughs> It's on a post-it. I got it tattooed. It's on my ankle. Yeah, yeah. you want to see it? Um, but it was so great that she did that. And, um, uh, you know, Tom Roseanne, like, you know, people made fun of them and made fun of yeah. him, but he really kept the show going. And, you know, it was a big fight with the network of how many seconds you'd actually see the kiss. Yeah. But again, it was challenging it someone. Was hidden. The kiss happened and then they turned and, then and you, you saw it. the back of Meryl Hemingway's face and uh, Hemingway and Roseanne making this huge eye. Yes. Yeah. So that's how they did it. But again, it was challenging a character who you thought was this cool liberal person. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to throw, and then she gets kissed by a woman. It's like. Well, what does it make me feel now? What does it do to her husband and all, yeah. all of that? So we thought that but was an interesting story. Just to give story. some perspective on the show and just gay rights at the time, like the there was show, no Ellen. That there was, was no Ellen. Ellen. Mm-hmm. There was no. But Roseanne specifically had had two primary gay Sandra characters Burner, yeah. on the show. Her boss um, and Martin Mull. Exactly, yeah. and so this wasn't like a new storyline for Roseanne. Them being in a gay situation right. or having gay but characters, but affecting her. But affecting her, it yeah. was mm-hmm. yes. And that's for some reason that just drove ABC crazy. But I would go home at night and it would be on the news that yeah. this was a new. It became a big news story. Huge. And I was like, I can't believe my little episode was. And then yeah. we threw a big benefit. Um, it was a place called Studio One, but now it's something else in West Hollywood. Coffee bean. No, it's not a coffee bean. <laughs> Please don't say that. It's a Mendocino Farm it sandwich like place. 400 people there, okay. a benefit for GLAAD. Yeah. We didn't know if it was going to even come on or how they had edited it because no one had the, could watch feed yeah. from another place. Mm-hmm. And it was CNN. Everyone was covering this huge party. And then all of a sudden on this, this big screen, they kissed. And I just remember everyone erupting in yeah. applause because we had so never, never seen, seen anything like this. And we knew it was a watershed moment and going to change television mm-hmm. because yeah. they had always said we would boycott and, you know, like 30-something had two gay men in bed together not even kissing and they wouldn't allow that. Yeah. So that was kind of exciting to be a part of whatever. Yeah, that. that's, yeah. A, that's a huge moment in television to be a part do. of. Yeah. Well, Will and Grace took it to a whole other level yeah. and thank God that yeah. it was there. But I think you need, obviously, everything needs... It needs something. Stones. Yeah. So I'm glad we could break down maybe part of the wall. So yeah. It could be crashed. And um, So now, sticking with the Roseanne thing, I know. you just recently got back from Russia. Yes. Because you started Russian Roseanne. I what was, was that brought like? over April and May uh, to help them develop uh, Roseanne. Was Roseanne involved? Not at all. Not no. At all. Um, uh, Sony. She uh, just doesn't. gets the checks. She will <laughs> get checks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, probably. Hopefully. Um, they've been trying for years to do it and they couldn't quite tackle it. And then they brought me over there and I worked with a great writer there, a young writer who's doing the Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yes. Great documentary about yeah. the start of that. Yeah. A lot of the same people are. Phil Rosenthal is like. I want to do a sequel. I want to be. I met his wife once. Oh, I love her. And I geeked out so hard. Everyone else was geeking out of Betty White. I was at a hot in Cleveland sort of party thing. And everyone was geeking out about, you know, Jane Leaves or, or, or all these other people, celebrities. And I went up to her and I was just like, I love your husband. 
<laughs> and in lieu of and you. And, and I now just, they're divorced. I, I, no. I can't, no, they're married. Yeah, he has that right. new series on PBS yeah. where he eats food. Um, but, but it's... He it's made a, a documentary about, about doing uh, Raymond over mm-hmm. there. And a lot of the same yeah. characters are involved in me do, over there. Yeah. So uh, it was really, really interesting. And the yeah. first, first questions, questions I asked were... Before I even went over there, how are we going to tackle all this gay stuff there? Because yeah. that's illegal. Yeah. I said, and you know, and I read the laws, a corporation can be fined. I said, are you guys at all concerned? And they were, you know, we'll deal with it later on. But the basic story of a real family and what a real Russian family is going through, uh, you know, as compared to So will to they American. take the scripts from... Yeah, yeah. so that we... Did, they decided to use episode two as the pilot. Oh, and what so, um you know, Darlene. It's an, a little bit of Darlene. It's about money, uh, lying, and uh, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, I think I remember it. She gets hurt. And no. the perfume, and, and Roseanne goes to buy perfume. At yes, a, they get an extra thing. money with a yeah, check, and yeah, then their obsession. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we had to find the and Russian Dan buys obsession. Some saw or yeah. thing for his boat or something. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the bell that. for the boat. And then DJ and I walks get over in the, ringing that bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were like, "We don't have bells in Russia." I'm like, "What do you mean you have bells? They don't have bells. They don't have garages." And they don't have, they said it had to be an apartment instead of a house. So that was a whole, huh. that was like two weeks out of my life. Um, but we ended up working out, getting the script right over yeah. like 19 drafts. And uh, that was very exciting. And then I was auditioning actors. So I, I went over there and I got to pick the director. And these were all meetings all in Russian. Yeah. yeah. So do you, have, do you speak a, it at all? Do you have a translator? Yes, is all I know. And yes. <laughs> Uh, they gave me a translator, and they gave me a driver to drive me everywhere, which was yeah. really nice, and an apartment, and that was cool. But I, was, I had friends say, you know, you're gay and Jewish, you can't go. We're not letting you go. And I was met with wonderful people over there, That's and nice. it was a great experience, and I went back again a couple of months ago. But anyway, I went back to... Um, so we filmed some... All the actors would come in, and they, they didn't understand how could I know if it's funny or not. It's yeah. all in Russian. Yeah. And I was like, I just... I knew. You know funny. You know funny. Yeah. And me and the director, I would say 98% of the time, agreed with yeah. the actors to call them back or not. So we filmed a couple of them in pairs, and the network there, because they've had so little experience, not like here, of going from the page to screen, mm-hmm. they got hung up on little things like in the audition room, because it's just an office, well, why is there a plug in there? It's a, they're in the kitchen. We're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, which you don't even oh, think boy. of here. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Wow. So then I came up with this idea because Raymond is still being filmed there. Yeah. I said, why don't we use their kitchen? We'll take two of the cameras. We'll give us an hour at the end of their shooting day. Mm-hmm. We'll bring the actors and do the first scene with the, um, you know, Dan and some of the kids that we liked. And they could actually see a whole scene. That's so a we, really that's great. smart idea. Yeah, very little money, and mm-hmm. I had the actors even bring their own, bring like costume choices, and I would yeah. go that shirt with those pants, and I'm just doing all that. I said because yeah. it's like theater here for yeah. me. Yeah. So we just kind of put it together, and we got actually three cameras, and we filmed four actresses when I was there in August and September, and um, the network just picked up the pilot. That's so, great. Yeah. Yay. So congratulations. Yeah. So I hope, I hope, I hope I can go back. I want to yeah. see it through, and. Um, so, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really so that amazing. was really cool. So, and then also helping them develop Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, theory. wow! And that was intense because Can we be best friends. Okay. <laughs> we're not already. I mean, I guess we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
going through, like, they did not understand, like, why would a 30-year-old woman say no to a marriage proposal? Like, <laughs> this is it for her. Like, it's now or never. And I was like, yeah, I know. I said, listen to the song. Uh-huh. Have the song translated for them. Yes. She's making it on her own. Yes. This is the first time. She's doing just fine. She's, just she's Yeah, she she's has the first job fine. she's had, the first yeah. group of friends, wow. yeah. her first apartment. This is exciting for her. That's so amazing. I'm hoping... That that goes. They've talked about that for a long time, but I actually got a woman writer to write it, Yay. and they're Amazing. off on script now. And uh, I think that would be super cool because they're kind of a little bit behind yeah. the times. Uh, a little, a little bit. Yeah, but great people. I had found great restaurants there. That's wonderful. And it was just it go was, to Moscow, guys. Go to Moscow, just everybody. Don't bring a rainbow flag. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we have to unfortunately cut the conversation off, uh, I, I'm leaving. I want to ask you. Yeah. We both want to ask you. About, I love that you said cut the conversation cut the off conversation. instead of like wrap it up. Yeah. Something that's a little bit cut more it. like cut. that was the so first brutal. Thing that came I know. Well, like, we were cut talking it about off Russia. Like, Suddenly, um, I'm like thrown out the door. Very abrupt. Uh, no, we want to talk about the Very Brady sequel in Gilmore oh. Girls. So if you could briefly tell us about how, how you got to Very Brady sequel. Well, I wrote both Brady movies, but yes. of course I don't get credit on the first one. So, um, I, um, I don't P.S. know. P.S. I love those movies. I saw them in the theater. Oh, yeah. we love yeah, that. I love um, them. I, I was in Greece on a vacation, and I get a call in my Athens hotel room from Betty Thomas. I thought it was a man calling. Yeah. You want to write the Brady Bunch movie? Get back here. I said, give me two days in Mykonos, and I'll come back. I came back. Um, we were kind of locked in an office there. They were casting yeah. at the time, and we were in this little office. And the, one of the reasons we didn't get credit on the first one is because we were the, I think the fifth writers on it. Oh. And you have to change the... Um, the structure of a movie to get credit, which it's like is a, a certain movie, percentage of which the rewrite has to be thing. done right. Yeah. So they had already blocked out what sets and what days and scheduled yeah. it all. So, but within those, we could rewrite anything we wanted. So we went to town again. We we're like we were watching all the episodes during lunch and like said, you know, um, you know, Mike Brady has all these really long stories. Like, why are we not making fun of that? What about the rivalry between? You know, Marsha and Jan. You're not making jokes of that. Or the sexual tension oh, the sexual between Marsha and Greg. So, well, Betty was great. She said, you got to write this for Stoner. She said, okay, I'm in. Yeah. She directed Private Parts, which yeah, is probably really my favorite wonderful. film. I love that movie. Yeah. She's a cool lady. So, write it for, you know, young kids that don't know the show. Write it for people that do know the show. Write it for the Stoners. And we're like, we're there. And so, uh, and we were there during all the auditions, and we would see the Shelley Long, mm-hmm. and then with Christine Taylor. Came she, in. I mean, she was like Shelley Long was great. Shelley Long was amazing. I hadn't seen Christine Taylor in anything oh, prior to that because no. I didn't watch Hey Dude growing up. That was the one Nickelodeon show I didn't watch. But she was. I, didn't watch I could not believe how much she looked like Maureen McCormick. It was well yeah. when her just, and uh, and Jennifer Lee Cox came in, <sighs> and they had such chemistry. Mm-hmm. We're like, we kept writing more and more for those two, and we mm-hmm. actually are. Want to do a TV series with those two, uh, the Brady ladies, that they, they moved to West Hollywood, still stuck in the 70s, and they have no idea what the hell's going on. Oh my married. God, that'd be amazing. Be She's still yeah. looking for Davy Jones. Nobody's yeah. like, people are too afraid to say that he's passed. Yeah. Like He's passed where? Oh, I yeah. know. He just passed? Yes, yeah. Oh God. One of my it writes itself. It does, oh God. Yeah, so. I love, I just have to tell you something, my favorite when they're when they're when Greg and Marsha have to share they have to yeah, share the attic yeah, yeah. which was an episode of yes, the show but this yeah. takes it in like a really fun direction where or twisted you know, direction a twisted direction <laughs> about um, your own life. they're not actually related so yeah, it's fine okay. but when she's like brushing her hair and they're each getting changed fun. and the moment when he just goes Marsha and she drops her voice and goes yes Greg yeah, yeah, yeah. I never laughed harder <laughs> like 
That is my favorite it's moment so great. out it's of both so those irreverent. movies. It's so irreverent. It's so RuPaul. Of it Perfect. All. Yes. Oh, that yes. was my idea because God, it was I love the first that. one because we were thinking of like Jennifer Lewis and all these women. Jennifer Lewis would have been funny. Is one of if you guys don't Jennifer Lewis is okay. We have a Twitter friendship. We've met a few times. We're from St. Louis mutually, yeah. so we have that. She is one of the best people you will ever ever see. In any way, shape, or form. Yeah, She's super just incredible. Talented. Incredible. She Not was, to be confused with Jenny Lewis. No. Of course, who played who Daisy the really Cadet in The Golden yes. Girls. Yes. On, yes. No. Jennifer yes. Lewis. She played, uh, she played Tina Turner's mother in What's Love Got to she Do With That. That's how mother. I knew her. Yeah. She plays a lot of mothers. But she's also on Blackish. So RuPaul was just breaking in the gay clubs. And I came in one day and I said, I have a crazy idea for this um, guidance counselor. And they looked at me like, what? Are you talking about a man dressed as a woman? I said, just, and we got a clip of it. And Betty luckily said, brilliant. Yeah. And then I was on set that day, and I said, just have him say, you know, you better work at the end of it. And no, no one, one knew why, because the song was not out at all, yeah. except for gay clubs. dark places. <laughs> and, um, and I meant, not, I meant gay places. Gay yeah, bars and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was not, very, not, not the other place. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then by the time the movie opened, I mean, people were yeah. screaming because they knew that song. And then yeah. she... I use the music under it. So that it was, was so good. That's so great. Yeah. So, so, so great. Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. How did that come about? Because that, uh, that, that Amy Sherman Palladino. We met on Roseanne and yeah. fell in love with her, and she fell in love with us, and would always drag us out to write and drink at the same time. And I'm like, <laughs> we can't. Another, you know, 15 writers will kill us. And yeah. But we always wrote. We took the Darlene Roseanne bedroom scenes, which we always loved. Yeah. And so we'd go off and write those. And uh, then she was doing Gilmore Girls, and she says, "I really need some friends around for this season. Would you guys come around?" And we're like, "We'd love to come." So we came for Aww. a year. I fell madly in love with Lauren Graham. Yeah. She, was, she is the best. Yeah. And um, I mean, that That's was a lot of writing. Well, it was ninety some pages. Yeah. Because they talk so fast. And usually, oh like an hour script is maybe sixty. Yeah, it was a lot, and it, but it was ninety pages. Ninety pages. You, like you guys were writing a feature length script yeah, every, every episode. Yeah. That is remarkable. I loved it. I loved Alexis. Everyone there was, you know, and the mother, Melissa McCarthy, and the uh, yeah. oh, Melissa McCarthy. I, yeah. Well, so I loved Gilmore Girls when it was on. I thought it was an amazing show, and I, uh, I no one knew who Melissa McCarthy was, and I saw I was in West Hollywood Halloween one year. I was dressed. It was Julia Child. And I saw <laughs> Melissa McCarthy walking. She was just on Gilmore Girls then. No one knew who she Suki. was. And I was with a group of friends. And I flipped the fuck out. <laughs> Did you scare I, her? Yes, of course. But she hugged me. and it was, She was really sweet. She's just the sweetest. But I, And every, all my friends were like, you watch Gilmore Girls? Oh, yeah. I was like, yes, I do. And then now everyone's like, oh, my God, that the was Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. But the mother on that show. Kelly Bishop. I... Yeah. This is so stupid. I I was the weirdest kid. I loved an unmarried woman when I was a kid. <laughs> the film, the Jill Clayburgh film, and she's in that, and that's and so she is. She is. And so when I saw her in the Gilmore Girls, I was like, oh, this means everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was such a brilliantly constructed yeah. pilot. Yeah, you know, to have that like they had to go to weekly dinners at her parents' house that so she didn't want. Genius, yeah. It was like, well, that's just like you can go back to that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and it was so messy the characters and yeah. I just it was really great. Really great show. Really, yeah, really, really smart writing, great. and I feel really lucky to have. Stan, been on that. get out of here. This is the best. 
We've had so much fun talking to you, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. This is thank you. I'm so, so glad we finally got to make this happen. This has yeah. been amazing. At the end of every podcast, we you know, we've watched an episode, we've recapped it. We usually ask the guests to have a golden takeaway. It's a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can, you know, apply to your life or the listener's life. But because that's episode specific, yeah, a lesson okay. you yeah. take away. So, However, this is, this is we're gonna do a take However. on that for you because okay. you're so special to us. And there's a lot of listeners out there who, you know, we've talked a lot about writing and maybe want to do more with writing. What would be your golden advice? Oh. See what See I did there? Golden. See what I did there? Um, for, for young writers or young artists in general looking to pursue whatever they're interested in. Keep doing it. Keep writing it. Keep creating. I mean, luckily we live in a time now where we don't have to have the man pay for it. You guys are pure examples of it. Just put it together and do it and get it out there. You know, I'm doing a web series now. Uh, with Elizabeth Keener from oh, yeah. The L Word. Yeah. And this is just a script that we had written and we were putting it together. And so everyone is doing that now. Just don't stop creating. Yeah. And don't let anyone to tell you, no, you can't. There's so many people that think their job is to say no or to get in your way. Just figure it out. It's like, a, I was thinking like a maze. Like you hit one wall, then you go the other. And people mm-hmm. say, how do you do it? How do you figure it out? I just keep going. Cause keep I doing it. Just keep doing it. Yeah, that's... Amazing. Thank you, Sam. Thank so you. And for also, me if here. people are in the Los Angeles area and they want to maybe sign up for one of your acting classes, can you tell that. us a little bit yeah, more so about it? I do a sitcom acting audition classes. Oh. I'm the only one doing it from writer producer perspective. Oh. It's usually like acting teachers or actors or managers. Yeah. But you can't get a job unless you can get it from someone like me. So and I use all scripts I've written and pilots from the billions of years I've been doing this. So it's that. Uh, you know, so you really get to hear what, what, what I like, what I don't like. Yeah. And again, it's about conquering your fears. And my whole thing is I, I have them picture success on the back wall. And I said, what's getting in the way of you getting there? You know, it could be yourself, your mother, your brother, whatever. You know, saying you're, you're fat, you're ugly, you're too this, you're too that. Identify it. Tell them, I've got somewhere to go. Yeah. And get out of my way because I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so I do have a box of Kleenex. It's a little group therapy mm. class. Because these things do come up, but yeah. uh, it's really special, and I love working with actors. And well, and it's and needed, and I think we all kind of need that sometimes. You know, we need that that reminder that like there's so much, especially in entertainment, there's so much about what you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing, and and you know now I've even realized this. I spent years doing stand up and realizing that like that wasn't all that I wanted to do or be. You know, and I wanted to write and I wanted to do these things, and it's like I don't just have to be a stand up. And there's and but because society says it, you do it. Right. And so that's advice that people need to hear, I think, more often. Is that just be you. Mm-hmm. Keep doing And also, you are in a, in a great position. I mean, to, you know, as an actor, I would want to come to someone who has been in the writer's room and who's been a producer on the show. Because, you know, a casting director, they're going to get, you know, they, they may get like the sort of surface notes maybe back from right. like a the, showrunner or the writers. But words. This is how I heard it. Yeah. And then to get it to you to do that. Mm-hmm. And then to realize you're, again, you're special for who you are. And people yeah. always want to be, I want to be like that person. No. Be you. Pre, be you. And yeah. we all, we always need your type. We need your type. We need your type. Mm-hmm. You go in that audition room and you're never going to be yeah. like the other person. So don't get freaked out by I'm not tall or this or that or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and appreciate that and that's how you're going to get cast Amazing. like Estelle Getty yeah. Yeah. If she sat there and goes well I'm not this I'm not that I'm not tall like the Arthur mm-hmm. she found her golden moment mm-hmm. and her time and, and that's how it became how she got to be who she is yeah. fantastic words to sign off on so where can people if they want to 
get in touch with you about your class or follow you online or anything? Uh, where can they go? Zimmermanstand.com. I have a website. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and blah, blah, blah. I will do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I already started following you on Twitter. Yeah, I so. Hope so. Yeah, somebody did. I will, I swear. And I used Instagram to do all my Russian pictures. I thought that would be a great way to see it. I love that. So I didn't put any of that on Facebook. It was all like for Instagram because, I mean, the things I was seeing were just... Yeah. Spectacular. So there's, well, know, I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. yeah what's your Instagram uh, handle? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> put them on the spot. It's Jesus. You know, just type my name in. And you'll, we can you'll see find my little see it. We'll, my glasses. We'll post there. all the links yeah. on yeah. outonthelanai.com. Standy Zimmerman, yes. Okay. Awesome. And I, uh, I'm H. Allen Scott. You can follow me on H. Allen Scott on everything. And I am CarrieDoherty.com or uh, Squiddy, Squid on Twitter or Squidzy on Instagram. Real good at branding. Yeah. And thank you guys so, so <laughs> much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've been saying that from the beginning. I'm going to rewrite it now. Yeah. Mm, uh, thank you guys branding. so much for listening. For more, you can go to outonlinani.com or you can go to facebook.com slash Podcast and tumblr.com. Or goldengirlspodcast.tumblr.com. Yes, and uh, thank you to HeadGum uh, for being a wonderful... And Spreaker. And for Spreaker, post, for yes, hosting, yeah. for their free hosting services. Here, okay? It's like Miami it's right now. Yeah, it you did hot. that on purpose. Should we go did. out onto the lanai We could go out onto the lanai out back. Yeah, yeah. No, guys, so thank you. And if you uh, want to comment or ask questions to Stan and, and see get more thoughts or just share your own thoughts, you can do that at outonthelanai.com slash discuss, D-I-S-Q-U-S, where we will do our best to respond respond and we'll send the links to Stan as well. So Not maybe, do our best, we will we respond. We will, we will, unless, you know, you say something dirty. No, even then, <laughs> then we'll I want to hear it. Then yeah. Stan will respond <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 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 Cool, yeah, so. well Stan, thank you so much thank again. You, yeah. This has been wonderful. And as always, guys, uh, stay, stay gold. Shine by the That was a HeadGum Podcast.